labour shortage, skills gap, attracting new talent. All of these are issues that our industry faces. Getting a foot on the farming ladder can be hard. There's the question of land, finance and knowledge, and more often than not, just finding the right opportunity. But in this week's Over the Farmgate podcast with me, Emily Ashworth, the Farmers Guardian's Features Editor, we hear from new entrant farmers Paul White and Connor Walsh. Connor has no farming experience at all, but is learning alongside Paul, and together they have managed to create a thriving business for themselves in the heart of Lancashire. Celebrating 10 years, leading arable knowledge exchange event, the Crop Tech Show returns to the East of England showground, Peterborough, on November the 23rd and 24th. Join the rest of the arable industry and take part in leading seminars, knowledge hubs, sprayer demonstrations and so much more. Book your tickets for free today at www.croptechshow.com. <laughs> we have had this on the agenda, haven't we, for God knows how long since we first spoke on the hill at your farm. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning then, because obviously your journey um, you know, hasn't been a typical or conventional journey into farming. Mm-hmm. You've been in politics and started business. So can you just give us a little overview of, you know, before pre-Paul's farm? Yeah, yeah, cool. So I... Um was the leader of a council for uh for well and a councillor for probably 10 years prior to starting the farm and i also owned uh the modern milkman which is a dairy delivery app effectively a tech company that connected dairies with the end consumer um which was something that i was really passionate about which i started as a result of uh, david attenborough's blue planet 2 and that was all really hard work, and uh, but loved doing it. But I, I found myself burnt out. Um, and during the latter stages of doing all that, found out that I had heart failure, although didn't tell anybody. Um, so then, sort of, saw that as an opportunity or a reason to think about whether I ought to work quite as hard as I was. And to give you an example, there was one day where I was delivering milk at three o'clock in the morning, then jumped on a train, went and met. Uh, a minister in London to talk about the local area then jumped back on a train came back and uh, chaired a, a council meeting till 10 o'clock at night and thought whilst I was doing that I don't I feel like I might pass out and that was an opportunity for me <clears throat> to think about ditching everything which is uh, effectively what I did and I guess I described myself then at that point as almost semi-retired um, which I thought was a really nice thing uh, and it was locked down so I could wake up and have a Bloody Mary and walk the dog and just like do whatever I wanted. And I thought, this is it, the dream, I've reached it. And uh, I was doing two days a week for the Department for Business as a startup mentor uh, for rural businesses in Lancashire, actually, um, and mentored 20 of those. And um, yeah, and one of those was Connor, uh, who is sat next to me. And so I was mentoring him and we had an idea for something. And I said, um, oh, after I'd given all of this up, I'd always wanted to have given up uh, work and everything. I always wanted to have a farm. Uh, I, I drew pictures of what I wanted to do when I was sort of four years old. I went to Harper Adams as well. So it's not like I'm completely disconnected from rural reality. Um, I trained as a land agent. Um, and then I thought I've got the opportunity here to set up a farm. 
British Poultry Council were, won- were warning about all sorts of turkey shortages. And I thought there's a really good chance here. I can get hold of some land. I can farm some turkeys. And if I don't like it, they'll be dead by Christmas. So it's not a big issue. It's not like starting a really a, a long lineage of uh, cows or sheep or anything like that. I thought I can be in and out if I don't like it. Anyway, I loved it. And then I was mentoring Connor. Um, and the deal was that if uh, we if we set up the tech company that we own together, that Connor had to also become a farmer because I wasn't willing to give up my dream. And so that's what we did, and that's all happened really quickly. Uh, 12 months ago, I started, well, just over 12 months ago, I started farming. Six months ago, Connor started farming. And a few weeks ago, we won got silver in the British Farming Awards. So, Yes, you did, yeah. I was going to say, let's just take the opportunity to introduce Connor, actually. So obviously, like you said, Connor works alongside yourself um, at the farm, but there's a million and one things that I want to touch on from what you've just said there. <laughs> um, number one, obviously, we can't gloss over the fact that you, you said you obviously, um, you know, diagnosed with heart failure, but that must have been a shock to yourself and obviously kind of maybe spurred this dream on, as you said, um, a little bit further. It certainly reminds you of your own morality. And I think I'd become a bit lazy and I've been, well, not lazy, but I've been sat around a lot, even though delivering milk was, I guess, a bit physical. But um, I worried in the beginning about whether I was physically fit enough to farm. But actually, I think it's great for my health to be outside and to be lugging stuff around is great for my health. But yeah, it was a big shock. Uh, it made me aware of my own morality the with what I've got the average um, lifespan after that is about 48 months so two years and uh, this was five years ago so oh my gosh Paul I didn't know that yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's great force it's pretty severe heart failure mm. but I actually feel re- the fittest I've ever felt yeah um, I mean I can operate no matter how tired I am still can't I like oh, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm quite a difficult person to keep up with um yeah you're the first up and the last to sleep out the whole yeah. office every day <laughs> yeah. so it's not like I'm, I'm in some self-help groups which I absolutely should not be in on Facebook <laughs> for other people with the same thing and honestly if I just read that I would think that that was it but I, I feel in the shape of my life um, I haven't had to change too much. I put a lot of it probably down to the stress that I suffered before uh, and too much adrenaline in my body probably is what caused it. But, um, yeah, I don't think I'm going anywhere now. And also, I feel a little bit, and this is stupid, because I've got a defibrillator fitted to my heart now, which makes me feel a little bit indestructible because if something happened to somebody else, they'd have to go and find one. I've got one fitted yeah. Which is not I think if there's anybody that's going to defy things, Paul, or defy the odds, it might just be you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it has affected a couple of things in life for me. Um, so, um, I, when I was diagnosed, I started off on the adoption journey to adopt a child. And you can't do that as a single person because they've got to be able to guarantee that the child will last till you're 18. So there's a few, few things that I've had to change, but yeah, I'm, I'm still going at life 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I think the other side of it as well is that you've obviously come at this from a point where, you know, maybe other new entrants struggling in some areas of looking at, um, you know, planning or uh, networking, all those sorts of things. Like you've got some core 
skills there that you know have surely helped you as a new engineer yeah and I think that is a really good point that there are in business and in politics there are things that I've learned I mean access to the land and we've spoken about this before that's the number one thing I think for new entrants and because I was the local councillor I knew I know who owns every little patch of land that's not being used and I've been able to utilize that in terms of business planning because I guess to begin with this was just some dream where I set up with a little bit of land and well it's Connor that's changed this actually um that it was all about having like this little farm that was fun and then we've been and so over the 12 months we've thought about what we're going to farm a little bit more carefully because it was we're going to have a few of these and a few of that and it's just going to be the good life and um because we're so busy Connor's much more strict about what we're allowed to have now so like we were just chasing sheep round and struggling with them like madam we still have some sheep but connor said we don't have time to be chasing stuff round that's not making us money um so that now we've put a much more business head on with the farm and previously running business and particularly running food businesses has helped that massively so now there's a real focus and we're now looking at how we sort of Whereas 12 months ago, this was probably just a hobby and something that was nice. We're now looking at how this develops into something as a much bigger food brand. And uh, we're looking at supplying supermarkets and all sorts of stuff like that, which within 12 months is incredibly fast because we don't have the time to just do this for a bit of a hobby. And it's not that fun in the chucking down rain. So it's not just a hobby. (laughs) The reality yeah, is, yeah. yeah. So we've had to become much more commercial about it. Um, I think we're quite lucky that we're farming poultry mainly, mm-hmm. um, and that's mainly turkeys, but we are going to look at expanding that because we're only farming those three months a year. But that means that the land available to the land that we require is much less than if it was sheep and cows. Um, so, again, that was a business based decision. Um, I think. It's an incredibly good time for people to get into the poultry industry because although there are tons of risks at the moment. Mm, Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, if you're a risk taker, now's a great, and I absolutely am. There are are people leaving the industry. There is a gap there. And yeah, it is a big risk, but it's a great time for new entrants where uh, prices are high. Um, there's no point beating about the bush. The price, so prices to customers are high. And when we looked at the economics of what we would make off a lamb or what we would make off a turkey, there was no competition really, was there? Um, so, yeah, we, the business and the politics both helped. I also think, um, just going back, you know, to the, you know, when you joined Paul on this journey, Connor, actually, you know, we talk about this a lot in farming anyway, you need somebody, it can be quite isolating. Sometimes you can be in your own little bubble, but actually having somebody to bounce ideas off and you guys have obviously refined the business um, in a very positive way. Yeah, I mean, it's completely new to you, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, it's enjoyable though. Is it? Yeah. Do you enjoy it? <laughs> it gets stressful, but... Every, life in general is stressful, doesn't it? So it swings and roundabouts at the end of the day. I, yeah, one of the things that was stressful is the sheep 
and we used to fall out all the time about trying to gather sheep. Um, it's all right taking stress when you know there's a goal at the end of it, but with sheep, it's, it's <laughs> there's no goal at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of people listening to that going, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you can't, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, so they need to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's still up for debate. So before we talk about the sheep any further, let's let's just um, have an overall kind of view of what you actually farm because obviously you've chosen you know breeds specifically that um, are native to your area, which I think is actually a really important aspect. And a lot of people are either you know switching their systems to do that sort of thing. Um, so what are you currently running, and across how many acres? At the moment, we have uh, six. No, it's about ten acres. We've got another ten next door that we can take, although we don't need it just yet. Um, we're probably only running about twenty sheep, and we want the numbers to be much higher by now. But because we're not sure what to do about the sheep, and when I say we're not sure. I would like to get more and Connor would like to get rid. So we're on the same numbers. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're currently balancing each other out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're longs um, and we've had also, the intention was great with them that we would get longs and do all the uh, local meat that's local to the area and things like that. We've struck, suffered with um, lots of things that we would have never even expected, like uh, fly strike, because they're... Uh, a long-tailed sheep that we've brought down off the fells. They're much more susceptible to things like that. And, at, yeah, we've, we've found them really labour-intensive. Uh, so, we yeah, so we've got longs. Uh, whether they'll go to the top or not this year is, well, a decision that will be made this week, probably. We really enjoyed the lambing, okay. didn't we? I think I did. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Connor's face, yet for anyone listening, say is completely otherwise. <laughs> Connor was brand new to you'd been around, I don't know, a couple of weeks then. Yeah. yeah and there was, was one day where that. I went into a meeting and we only had to help one of them lamb, which was great. But I was like a paranoid mum checking them all the time. And everyone was like, they'll ju they'll just do it when you're not there, don't worry. And they did. But there was one, it was the last one that was struggling, wasn't it? And I'd gone into a meeting. So somebody got in touch with Connor, and Connor had to pitch up from the office in his like three-piece suit, not having ever lambed a sheep before, having to ring other people. And I, yeah, I think that was pretty fun. Um I mean, they're great when the lambs, aren't they? Um and yeah yeah but it's not forever and it's whether we could make that into a profitable thing and we, what we don't want to do which i think is what i was really tempted to do before is a little bit of everything we want to think what is the best thing for us to farm where is there a gap in the market where is there going to continue to be a gap in the market over the next 10 years or so and for us we think that's turkeys and I, I guess there's a huge risk around keeping them alive through bird flu. But if we get to the end of that, that risk pays off, then it gives us a lot of money to reinvest into the farm next year. So we did 200 uh, black and bronze turkeys last year. We were at 500 this year. We're probably going to look at, I keep saying this number, I just shouldn't, probably going to look at 
four or five thousand next year. So there definitely won't be the time. What? I know, I know. Wow. Yeah, so like now it's become, a, it, it feels like we're properly farming and uh, there won't be the time to be playing around with, at things then. Where are you going to, have you got, so for this year obviously you've doubled in size anyway, but where where are they going to? Where are you, is it all, uh, you know, individual people or... So we'll do a large amount of them at home and then we'll contract farm out some of them. And the reason that we'll do that is specifically because of the threat of bird flu. We'd farm them all ourselves, but to have them all on one holding and all at risk would be too much for us. So we will pick people to contract farm them to based on where they're located and making sure that they're far enough from anybody else that's contract farming from us. So that it's, so it's that resilience thing, I guess, Um which I, I guess yeah. that comes from business planning as well for me, that how do we make sure that if, how do we, if this is a risk for us, how do we minimise that risk going forwards um, so that every year we're not on, I mean, the slightest bit of a sneeze or anything, we're on the edge of our seats. Uh, we put some more sawdust down today and one of them sneezed and I was like, it's definitely just the sawdust. Um, on that googly store. Yeah, yeah. Like we're paranoid <laughs> now. <laughs> Um, I mean, Connor, did you ever think you'd be sat here discussing turkey sneezes? Because <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, if you'd have met Connor 12 months ago, you would have never thought that on a Monday morning after we'd been out celebrating for the weekend that he would be in a set of overalls covered. And I mean, this morning we were yeah. covered yeah, whereabouts. In, in all sorts. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about that though, because you know this is one of the the topics of conversations within the industry. You know how attracting people from non-farming mm-hmm. backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So this question goes to both of you. You know, Paul, what have you learned about yourself and about you know this industry? And Connor, I want to know everything about what you 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 felt and learned by you know working alongside Paul. Um, so I've learned that. Um... We've got to pick the right thing that will make money. And for us, I think that that's poultry because you don't have that, for us, you don't have that evolving cycle of um, having to breed next year's stock and all of that. We literally buy the poults, farm them, they're gone. Right? So it's a really good system that fits with everything else that we've got going on. It's a huge amount of responsibility. So it's about making sure that there's the right team around you so that you don't end up tied to that farm all the time. I mean, we're pretty well tied there. Um, but if we want to have, if we wanted to have the occasional evening where we were out or something like that, so making sure that we've got enough of the family trained to be able to do it as well. So it's become very much like a family farm now within twelve months. That and my sister, yeah, my sister can drive the quad as well as I can, and can just crack on and do it all. Um, this year, I think, last year, I guess, I think I just winged it. This year has been a lot more technical about are we feeding them the right feed to get them to the right weight at the right time and all of that sort of technicalities of it has been uh, really important. I've learned that I enjoy it much more farming with Connor than on my own because you're right, it is lonely. And one of the things that I struggled with when I did it on my own last year was because I was new, that sort of self-doubt of, is that right, what I've done? 
there's nobody to discuss it with. I've no idea whether they should be at this weight or... And so whilst I've had mentors through Henry Plum's society and all of that sort of stuff, um, which has been vital, and actually the people who we buy the pulse off have been great at advising us, having somebody else each day, even just to do that thing that happened this morning where one of them sneezed and the other person goes, it's just a sawdust, you're not going home and wondering, is it, all day. Mm -hmm. So it's that sort of reassurance and I guess now I'm the one who has to reassure Connor a little bit more because he didn't see lots of this last year and I did so things like turkeys get stressed really really easily um, and we've managed to keep them pretty well unstressed this year um, by feeding them loads of pumpkins um, <laughs> but the yeah it, I, I think it's great in terms of resilience and business planning for other aspects in life as well and I know that there are lots of people now running sort of on-farm training for corporate execs and I can see why because the thing the thing I think that we learn is we we run other businesses as well but we physically do the farming so it's not like we say we've got a farm and then we've got a farm manager in there we go and do the farming before work and after work and it's about having to just it's made I think Connor will probably disagree I think it's made me a lot calmer because I've had to be accepting that things do just go wrong. So if something goes, if I've got a full day plan doing other business stuff, but I go to the farm and something's gone wrong that needs sorting then, I've become much more accepting of that rather than becoming really stressed about, you know, I've got all of this to do. They're animals at the end of the day, so they have to take priority. There was um, one meeting that we were having where, we're both sat in a boardroom in three-piece seats and we got a phone call to say one of the sheds had blown away. Um, we had to turn up in three-piece seats and in the pouring down rain and you've just got to kind of accept that that's the game we're in. And it was really, it's it was funny because I thought before I got into farming, when I do, I'll be much more efficient. Things can't go wrong as much as people say and it's much just the way that they're planning it and all of that. And actually it's not things do just go wrong almost daily don't they mm -hmm. yeah every um, other day yeah and nothing's gone wrong today so tomorrow must be the day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to let me know but i think that's quite a nice aspect actually because you know people you have to wear so you have to do so many roles within farming you're not just a farmer you've got to be all these different people and you've actually got to be quite creative sometimes you know how can we fix this how can we make this better so i do think it allows you to expand as a person as well um, and the other aspect is, you know, you, you are completely invested in it. Yeah. Well, um, we do the, so we sell direct to consumer as well. Um, so we're in control of the whole brand. So I guess we've given ourselves two businesses to run in the farming and then the retail element of it. And yeah, in fact, the retail element of it makes me more nervous than the farming because I'm like, have we priced them right? What if people don't want to buy them? What if yeah. the postage service doesn't work? That's where the nervous bit sits for me. But ultimately, that's where I believe that we can demand, we can tell the full story and sell the full story rather than somebody dictate a price to us. So that's about building the brand, really, of, uh, yeah, the Paul's Turkey's brand, I guess. Yeah. Said very well. Over to you, Connor. <laughs> um, so initially, 
farming to me is not a dream. It's not what I wanted to do, anything like that. But I would consider myself to be very business-minded like. And then the more I've gotten into doing this farming thing, especially being such a, a big gap in the market, in the turkey market, it makes me think that this is a perfect opportunity for young people like me to build a career. Bear in mind, how long does it take to, to raise a, a brown or black heritage circuit? Yeah, ours would be about 20 weeks in the go. About 20 weeks. So you think that people my age could only work for 20 weeks a year and earn way more than your average wage of people working the full year round. I think it's it's a good opportunity for young people like myself to to have a good life. I think as well, if you you know if you don't have the biggest amount of land or the biggest amount of um, support in terms of you know the fin the financial aspects of it behind you or you know that if you're in that sort of situation, you could dip your toe into something like this, and then who knows where it would lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we've done. That's exactly what I did last year. I'll just get some and see. And then this year, I'll get some more. And then out of that, the conversations have come with the, the supermarket. And uh, yeah, and, and now all of a sudden, it's potentially a whole different beast, isn't mm, it? Definitely. Um, and, and of course, there is the demand out there. And people like supermarkets are looking at resilience of their own supply chain of poultry because they don't want to be relying on one or two people because because there's so much risk in the industry at the moment. So I think whilst it's a really rubbish time generally for the poultry farming industry, it does pre present incredible opportunity for new entrants. Do you think... what? So, for example, obviously you mentioned the Henry Plum Foundation. You know, we know that there's loads of uh, schemes within our industry that will support you. But do you think, you know, is there enough being done to encourage people into the farming sector? What about financial support and government support you yeah. know, is ultimately what we really need? Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, so... I just think, well, I got some financial support last year from uh, Henry, the Henry Plum Foundation. But just thinking about it, there are two things here. Is there enough physical support uh, teaching people what to do? And is there enough support in terms of putting it forward as a viable career? So if Connor had seen an advert for Be A Farmer 12 months ago, you would have absolutely never even looked yeah, twice at that advert, would you? No. But there wouldn't have been one. Nobody would have promoted that mm -hmm. as an exciting, forward-thinking opportunity to run your own business. And But now he's doing it and can see he's doing it because I've effectively told told him that I need him to do it with me, and, but can see all of that, that it does have all that viability to mm -hmm. it. It's only by chance that you're doing it, though, isn't it? It's not yeah. because you've seen an advert and thought, mm -hmm. that's the career for me. So I think there's a real sales pitch to do around this is a good career. It's not. It's a good opportunity to own and manage and run your own business. And I think we should be thinking about it like that more. Yeah, well, to be fair, to be fair at the start, it weren't, I was still walking in with the mind frame of, this is literally just me helping Paul out mm -hmm. to basically free up some of his time and getting so in the office you. with the yeah. dreams that I'm trying to create on my own. 
Um, so it were I walked into there with the mind of yeah. I'm literally just helping you, and now I'm waking up and I'm like, no, this is also partly yeah. a business that I need to run and I need to progress, and we need to push and upscale. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, so it's changed my complete way of thinking just from standing there and actually getting involved. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and yeah, and that sales pitch of of promoting it as an opportunity for young people to own their own business, and it's not that much of a risk in terms of. It's not like you're reinventing the wheel. It's producing food. There's Everybody you eats. Put in there's precautions. You like, yeah. I know avian flu screamed at the rooftops right now, but there's foot baths and cleaning yeah. things that you can drive your quad bikes through on the way into the farm. Like, mm. You take and the, the, resili- correct, uh, the yeah. resilience of splitting up. Yeah, yeah, yeah splitting up is a brilliant idea, but obviously mm-hmm. when people are coming into that, it won't be as easy for other people mm-hmm. to do so. But you can get disinfectant baths everywhere. So mm-hmm. even if you was carrying... Uh, avian flu on you. you you would be clean by the time that you got into the pen where the turkeys are yeah, yeah. i mean it, there are we're we're lucky again it's that perfect storm thing we're lucky that we're based in a particularly unaffected not completely unaffected but compared to some other areas mm-hmm. we're a long way from the sea here yeah um we're about as far away from the sea yeah. as you can get um which so you, we don't have as many birds flying mm-hmm. over and all that sort of stuff um but yeah the Promoting it as a business is something that needs help. And then promoting it as, so even, so if you imagine Connor does see that advert and, oh, yeah, I want to run my own farm, then where would he look for help? And it's only because I've done it and he's doing it with me yeah. that he's yeah. learned. Mm-hmm. He's not been able to go and just learn how mm-hmm. to do it. Um, so it's having that network of support. We've relied on people like where we got the pulse from, but we've had... I've had an incredible amount of, I've, there's been quite a lot of hostility towards me setting out farming on my own from the from people who I know in the local area who think that effectively that's their family firm and you shouldn't just start farming. And I, there's been quite a bit of that. Um, and you think me on the patents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something I never expected to mm-hmm. get. Um and it's happened a couple of times. Wow. Because you would think that we were in a position where we need to, you know, how many times can we say the term skills gap or labour shortage? Like, you know, we need, you would have thought that actually we would be supporting each other. And obviously there is a lot of that, isn't there? But um, I guess you're always going to, wherever you go, you're always going to get that. Yeah, and equally, we've got a lot of support from lots of, great people Mm -hmm. it's just one or two that have sort of turned the nose up a little bit but there has been tons of support that I've relied on to be able to learn what I've learned so far that then I've been able to rely on to pass on to Connor and I enjoy passing that on I mean I've done business mentoring for quite a long time now and I guess this is just another business mentoring role for me Um, and, and it's good now that there are two of us that if I've got something to do tomorrow morning I don't have to be there. Connor can do it if Connor's got something on. So th- there's that sharing of responsibility yeah. now as well, isn't there? It works well. I, I like that aspect though as well of um, Most you know business wise. <laughs> business wise, um, you people don't see farming as this like legitimate business. And actually, when you look at some farms across the UK, their turnover yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. is out of this world. Like farming 
is a cash is real business yeah yeah real and you like i was saying earlier you're not reinventing the wheel i mean lots of the other stuff that we do is risky stuff in terms of developing tech and will it work and people need to eat people will always want to eat you're producing food you're not reinventing the wheel so it's a really i wouldn't say safe but it's a really proven model of make this and people will eat it and buy it and it, so you're not reinventing the wheel. There is, a, it should be seen more of a, more as a business than it is. And I think that there is that whole image of, and I, and I guess for me, this is where Connor completely changed my mind with it. So yeah, in the beginning, Connor was coming to help me play around on my farm so that I could put some time into developing something else with Connor. And after a while, Connor was then saying why we're spending so much time doing this which isn't going to produce anything it's not just a hobby and that's yeah. where that so it's Connor that's made me sit down and think actually no my passion is farming this is 100% what I want to do but let's make something out of it let's talk about image then because I think this you know comes into play when you say about you know if you Connor had seen an advert mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't have entertained it probably but we st- it's 2022 and we still have a image problem that we can't Mm. seem to get over when actually underneath it all you've got Mm. guys like yourself on social media Mm. with a super story a business plan it's a thriving business uh i read some research today that says there's more women than ever Mm. coming into the industry Mm -hmm. all Mm. these sorts yeah there's all these sorts of factors and stories and stats but still we can't get over this image problem yeah yeah I, i don't know why that is there could be somebody sat there on a quad bike or on the front of his Range Rover on his farm saying, how would you like to build your own career and have a happy life? And and I think that's a, a really good point because I'm trying to put this diplomatically. Connor's probably quite an uh, image-led person. Materialistic. Yeah, completely yeah materialistic yeah. person. So if he were to see that that lifestyle will give me Mm -hmm. this and it doesn't have to be private jets and stupid stuff like that but rather than i guess you would have just thought if i do farming i'm probably going to be skin and stink of crap all the time no like i'm excited for the day where i get to wake up go to the farm and then on the weekends it'll be nipped to the farm and maybe go on a on a local shoot with other farmers and it come more of a social thing and well it's it turns into a life more than just yeah anything but i'm excited for it to get to that point but maybe we do need to put a little bit more effort into making it image-led for younger people so that they do think it's a bit cooler and maybe it's down to people like connor to stand up and go actually i'm going to show people that it is pretty Mm -hmm. cool and i did this i mean again maybe there's an impetus on the people who make it into it to sort of um help promote that um because yeah, it's it's not something that people would see as particularly cool, is it? Um, well, I think as well, there's the aspect of you know, you guys are obviously um, you've got you've got livestock and birds, and but the thing is, it's not to be a farmer. You don't have to be a livestock farmer. No, you don't. Yeah. We, we know well. You know uh, an alpaca farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they supply the alpaca wool to Versace and yeah. stuff like that. Like when you say farming, you don't have to be stood. Yeah, round cows and sheep. But I mean, again, Versace in the same conversation. Like, it, you know, you're just never going to 
how, how are you going to tell people about that? Like, you know, that is an amazing story. And it's actually, it was a few years ago now, but there's a farmer and she's not that far from you guys, to be honest. Um, but, you know, she was looking at implementing Tesla um, technology oh, wow. on the farm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and like, it can be, yeah, it can be so technical now. And that's something that I'd certainly like us to, because I'm from a, a techie business background, that's absolutely something that I'd like to, to look at. But going back to those alpaca farmers, I mean, they've a couple of Bentleys on the drive, they farm alpacas, they sell the Walter Versace. You would never, ever imagine. Incredible. But if so, if they'd have stood in front of you at school and said that, you'd have at least thought twice about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You definitely would have considered it as a career path, definitely. Yeah. Uh, even if you wrote it off, it you would still yeah it'd cross your mind, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that's another conversation for, in itself, isn't it? You know, it's been hugely kind of publicised about you know certain people trying to get agriculture yeah. onto the curriculum, but it's how you do it and how you do it in a positive way and a encouraging and an educational way without forcing forcing it upon children. Do you think Clark? Do you think Clarkson's made it cooler? I do actually, yeah, I really do, and I, I, a lot of people, meant you know, when I, I see a lot of people when I go out and do my features and things like that, the amount of times that people bring him up, yeah, yeah, so is I incredible. Think, I think that that's I, I can't say that there was a clear like I'm going to do this now because of, but I think that it was a factor in whether now was the right time for me to farm, having watched Clarkson's farm, and certainly in developing it out and now I do things like the uh, radio show that I do which is I guess Lancashire's own little version of Clarkson's Farm where we just talk through the thrills and spills and when when I was watching him and I thought he's hamming this up like everything else that he does he's making this to be 10 times worse than it is it surely doesn't go wrong and he hasn't. Like, it does go wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's all real. Yeah, yeah, like it's not <laughs> just over egg the pudding here. They definitely, that's, yeah, that's exactly what happens. The sheep, my sheep have been out on the main road and, oh, yeah, everything that. How often do we get stuck? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a whole TV program in itself. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm nervous about driving in front of me now because. <laughs> I get it stuck. It's my fault. So he gets it stuck. That's me shouting. There's, there's <laughs> effing and jeffing running up the field. <laughs> so yeah, all that sort of stuff. Where yeah, it, it it's a TV show. In itself, it it isn't really it? is. Yeah, but um, it's, it's like you say. It takes key people like that, though, doesn't it? To <laughs> to turn things on its head. So yeah, it's um, it was. I think it was good for us as an in, in industry. Yeah, and and also I think he makes it. Even though there are yeah lots of things that go wrong, he makes it look like not just a really dirty wet industry, if that makes any sense. So yeah, yeah he's he's still driving around in a Lamborghini tractor. It might not fit in the shed, but he's 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 still doing it in a cool way. And I think it makes it, people look like actually that is a lifestyle that I might like to. And and I think he's told the whole story pretty well with like the farm shop and the restaurant and all of all of that, like how mm. you can maximize the value. So it, he, he, in effect, I think it's really, when people start to do that and diversify, then we shouldn't even really be thinking of them as farmers. We should be thinking of them as serial entrepreneurs because how many other people do you know that own so many businesses that do so many different things? 
So effectively, you've got somebody like Jeremy Clarkson, who's a retailer, a restaurateur, a farmer, all on one patch of land. And for other people, if somebody else did that, you'd think that's really diverse what they've managed to do and keep running and get off yeah and Mm -hmm. and and get off the ground and we don't think that about farmers where somebody has a farm shop and they're producing food and we we don't think that's a serial entrepreneur there but to get that right and to keep so many different businesses effectively because they're, they're all separate things aren't they running is really hard yeah and I think that brings us full circle, isn't it, to what we were saying before about this industry is a series of really successful mm-hmm. businesses with successful people behind them um, mm-hmm. who, you know, they are intertwined in society in very, yeah. in you know, very various ways. It's not, you know, we're not just food producers. We've, we yeah. fit in various roles. So, yeah, there's huge opportunity. But what do you, what would you, your main advice be? Obviously, you write our um, starting uh, our farming from scratch blog. Um, what what would your advice be to think anybody might... thinking about this? So I think concentrate on the the like practical advice is just concentrate on getting the land. Once you've got the land, everything else will flow, flow from there. But I'm probably going to steal Connor's advice now. So I know exactly. What you're I, say. Shall I let you? <laughs> <laughs> I, so I would say just do it because. We can spend so long talking about doing things and being yeah. what we want to do. And I had to get to a position where I thought, just do it and do it whilst. And for young people, this is where Connor's advice, I think, would come in. Do it whilst you can. Take the risk now. Don't wait until you've got a husband or wife and kids and a mortgage to pay and all of that. And then a risk becomes much more difficult to take. Take a risk while you've got nothing to lose. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I would say. And I, I'd just say it's a business at the end of the day, um, which obviously isn't the first thing you think about when you think about a farm. But it is, if you strip it back, the 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 basis of it, it is a running business that needs cash flow. Mm-hmm. And so you need to sit there and think about what you want to farm. And just because it looks nice and pretty doesn't mean that's the best option. It's what's the best option for you, which is going to make money that can get put back into the business where it's then growing and growing and growing and becomes that that career that's that's sustainable. And I think that's really good advice from Connor because if effectively he he came and joined me on the farm and I would still be arsing around with sheep now and it would be really hard work. I'd be making nothing out of it and trying to sustain everything else that I do. So, yeah, think carefully about what you want to do. And I, and I think it's okay to try lots of little things in the beginning, but narrow it down. Don't think you can don't, – don't just want to farm everything because it sounds nice. Once you've had a go at sort of working out what works for you, I, I mean, I think we're really, really good at looking after turkeys. And things like our mortality rates are tiny compared to what you would expect and the birds look well and i know that we're really good poultry farmers i don't think i'm a great sheep farmer because i just struggle with them and you will learn what animals you get on best with and that you i guess can second second guess Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah but give it give it a go while you can 
I also think we need to kind of round this off though by saying, you know, you have you have obviously put the work in because, you know, you've got, like you said, your BBC Radio Lancashire show. Um, I was going to touch on, I don't know if House, are you still ongoing with the process of springtime on the farm or is that kind of no, gone? To, we are just about to, it, it just didn't fit with what we wanted to do. Um, I'm loving doing the radio stuff. Um, I'm loving being able to tell people across Lancashire, which is where I'm from, about how to set up a farm. And I think in the beginning, everybody thought it would never work. And in 12 months on, we're talking about supplying supermarkets and all that sort of stuff. So it it just proves that it does. And for us, yeah, it's had to become much more of a part of the business or much more of a business than just a plaything. So now, I used to struggle, I'll give you an example, I used to struggle if we were at the farm in the morning and then I didn't get into the office till maybe half ten. I'd feel like I'd been playing out for the morning, but actually I hadn't. I'd been working on another business. And so I've had to do some readjusting of my own thinking to, to be like, no, you've just been working in a different business before you got to this one. Um, and that's taken a little bit of um, getting my head around, really. But... Um, I think I've managed to do it now. But again, that's me who's running a business thinking that it's not one because people think that farming isn't. Um, yeah. And it is. And yeah. And we're having great fun building the whole sort of Paul's brand. We've stuck like and Connor on the bottom of it now. <laughs> but like the whole Paul's <laughs> farm brand and food and, and that kind of thing. I'm really, really, Connor's not as keen on this. I'm really, really desperate to get pigs and do our own brand of charcuterie. Um, <laughs> but Connor thinks we should find some shit on the other one. <laughs> one thing at once, just shaking Paul. his head like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to that next chapter <laughs> in the next blog or whenever that, whenever that might be. But I just want to touch on, finally, you know, obviously you um, won the Silver Award at our British Farming Awards. <laughs> so that surely has to, you know, solidify all the hard work that's gone into into creating this business because you, you yeah. wouldn't win that award yeah. you know, if that hadn't have happened. Yeah, and we absolutely did not expect to get silver in that. I really, really, yeah. really enjoyed the interview. I really enjoyed the night. It's the guys who were sat next to who have made me want to do the charcuterie. Um, who was, so we met some great people at the do we actually ended up sat next to one of connor's mates sisters yeah it was the night was great it was great to win that um having the having the accolade has been a great thing we've used it in terms of discussing with people like supermarkets they've been really impressed by winning it um so and yeah it's helped with the tv series so all of that stuff is really exciting uh and I went there because I'd, I, w- I felt like I was an also-ran. I went with no expectation of having to yeah. go and stand on that stage. So that it was a double shock, really, which was lovely. I hope anybody out there who is thinking of farming has been able to take something from this podcast. You can also head over to fginsight.com to read Paul's blog, Farming from Scratch. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite platform. Tune in next week, but for now, it's goodbye from me.